Hi, this is Michael Azarad, Editor-in-Chief of The Talk House, and welcome to The Talk House Music Podcast. This episode of The Talk House Music Podcast features Stuart David, founding bassist with the beloved Scottish band Bell and Sebastian. He's also a member of the delightful Looper, whose latest album, Off Grid Offline, came out this April. He spoke with James Fernley, who is the founding accordionist with the iconic band The Pogues, who memorably fused Irish folk music and punk rock, and maybe had a few drinks along the way. Both David and Fernley have written books about their experiences playing in famous rock bands. Stuart David's book is In the All Night Cafe, a memoir of Bell and Sebastian's formative year. Fernley's book is called Here Comes Everybody, which our more refined listeners will note is a reference to James Joyce, and that's the story of the Pogues. Stuart spoke from his home in Scotland, and James from his home in Los Angeles. They're two kind of different people, and yet you can hear them find plenty of common ground as they told some tales about their respective bands and talked about the sometimes thorny subject of writing a book about your own band. Here we go. In a sense, my first autobiographical foray into telling the Pogue story was actually doing it by means of of, of writing a song about yeah. it. Um, tell me how your autobiographical first foray um, um, started. Uh, well, I think when I was in Bell and Sebastian, just the first year of the band, we we didn't do any interviews. And at that time, I wrote a small kind of autobiography about the book, about the band called Ink Polaroids, which were really just yeah. imag- imaginary photographs and descriptions of what was happening. Uh, and then after as that... If you were being, as if you were being followed, uh, uh, as if you had interest from, from the outside, yeah. Yeah, and then the, I did another one, our first New York trip, I kind of transcribed... Mm all the conversations as they were happening and pretended that was ink movies. Uh, so I, I had been doing autobiographical writing about Bell and Sebastian right from the start, really. Mainly so because to, we had... So, wait a minute. Yeah. So can I get this clear? So as people are saying things, you're writing it down? I was, yeah. I would maybe try and wait until, you know, a couple of minutes after the conversation conversation had ended and do it a bit yeah. based on memory. But it was really quite uh, in the moment of it happening, so I wouldn't forget anything. That's really uncanny because um, I think, but I think your approach is, is uh, maybe slightly, it sounds slightly different. It sounds a lot more artistic, actually, <laughs> than, than, than mine. Because uh, I, I, I want, you know, I've I've been writing diary and stuff. Yeah, I could easily say that you know that your process is like it's just diary. Yeah. But if you're writing stuff down as it happens, then in a sense you're contributing. Your well, I was going to say contributing your lack of contribution to a, a conversation. If all you're doing is writing it down as it happens, then it's it sort of. It, to begin with, I thought that perhaps you weren't saying anything at all and you were letting other people talk while you wrote yeah. it all down. But you must have put in your own voice and then waited till that conversation finished and then you'd write down what you, re- you remembered of it, like, seconds later. Yeah, it was like that, really. Uh-huh. So my, my own dialogue would be in the conversation most of the time as right. well. Yeah. Because I used to um, oftentimes um, go off to the hotel room at the end of the day and write about what had happened. Um, yeah. Right. Not not. Well, I was going to say right the way through the 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 the, the first sort of iteration of the poll. So it wasn't right the way through, but it just. Now I don't know if this if this happens, um, because I think writing diary might alter one's actual memory of what happened because 
just because of the fact that you wrote about it seems to sort of bathe what you are writing, you, what you did write about, in a sort of light that wouldn't have been there had you not written about it. Does yeah. that make any sense? Yeah. The, and would you, the, the, yeah. Would, would you think when this thing was happening, I'm going to write about this later, or would you just wait? Oh. Um, um, I'd, well, I think it's a bit of both, because I tried to get into... Um, I found the whole thing of of going off on tour, not the whole thing, the romantic side of me on on tour, wanted to take it all in. You know, yeah. like um, yeah, like a, a lake near Forfar, as I remember, one that was just looked beautiful, or or um, the 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 site of are you familiar with Shap Fell as you go up the M6 on the way from, let's say, Manchester up to um, Glasgow. You go through the, the the western side of the Yorkshire Dales and there's a sort of section up there. Yeah. Where these yeah. sort of round... Yeah, it's really beautiful. Or indeed, uh, a ferry trip from, I think it was... Um, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the town now. Um, in between... Not Balls... <laughs> One of those Scandinavian countries, but there's like sort of pink rock and this ferry kind of swerved in between all these rocks from, yeah. I think, probably from, from Finland to Sweden, maybe, or from Sweden to Denmark or something like that. Um, um, and sometimes I just thought, well, yeah, I've got, to, I've got to get that down. Yeah. Um, other time, other times it was a matter of I've just got to get something down because I've decided to be the diarist, and I'm yeah. just uh, I've got to do this every day. So it was, it was a bit of both, really. And I used to write stuff down as it happened too, but in a little notebook that I kept with me. Uh -huh. That when when somebody says something really stupid or something revelatory or weird or or, or that th I thought oh I'm not going to hear that again um, yeah. I'd write I'd write it down um, in fact uh, Terry Woods the um, the our um, our multi-instrument well it wasn't a multi-instrumentalist but our, our sort of lead guitarist <laughs> yeah. I suppose except he played a, a bazooka sitern thing uh, he was a bit older than us. He came up to me and said, "James, I hope you understand that there are some things that are not that are said that are not intended to be written down." <laughs> so, um, so I felt a little bit chastened, not too much. I just kept doing it. So, <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so when it came to writing the book, you you had all that because when I came to actually write my book yeah. about Bell and Sebastian. I had nothing apart from these early books that I had written, but they didn't really cover the period I was doing. So, yeah, I had to rely almost entirely on memory, uh, and I really wished that I had kept diaries and things like that. I had some old letters. Well, that's weird because you kind of, yeah, you kind of sort of had though, but because those were already published, that yeah. you felt like you couldn't go into that material and and. So you had to do something different, basically. Yeah, yeah, it was all... It was really whatever memories were just kind of bright and seemed just that recurred and recurred over the years. I kind of tried to just make a structure out of those ones and then later found out that yeah. a lot of them were false memories or... Oh, I came across that. <laughs> things like I described a party and it turned out it was two separate parties that I had conflated into yeah. one that I found out afterwards. Uh, so it's quite strange yeah. doing it that way. Yeah, it comes with the job, I think. I don't... I th it shouldn't come with the job of writing, but it comes with the job of being a musician, I think. Yeah. Or it, comes yeah. With, or it just comes with the job of being, like, like, like human, you know? Yeah. Because there was... There was I, I, uh, uh, what I did... Um, well, no, actually, there was there was a there's a girl in in my my book, a girlfriend that I meet in New York, and when I sent, I think I sent her a copy of it, um, 
But once she'd read it, she said, oh, that night isn't isn't the way that we met at all. But that's fine, because, <laughs> like, people just remember things the way they fucking want them, want to. Yeah. So, so um, she was she was cool. She was cool with it, entirely cool, because I think I think I had, well, I, know, I suppose I suppose I had most of it right, and she could be she could be lenient. Yeah. Did you have any bad reactions from anyone who just didn't like what you'd written about them, or just didn't like being in print at all? Um, uh, the latter. I don't think they. I don't think anybody who 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 is is in a group and doing, you know, um, well, wait a minute. I think just just the fact of being in print. I don't think that that bothered anybody. Uh. But there was there was. Um, um, but what I did was that um, once I'd finished the typescript, um, I'd. I'd I'd had the meeting with the editor at Faber and Faber, a guy called Lee Brackstone, who's from Yorkshire, and I like Yorkshire people um, generally. I've met some shits before, but, they're, but mostly they're, 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 they're nice. Um, his, his only note to me about the book was, um, James, if you, can, if you can take the bits out of it that make you look like a knobhead, we'll have a good book. <laughs> so... So that was the only, that was the only note he gave me. So I just went through the whole. Uh, the, the, man, the, the manuscript was was far too long. Um, not far too long. It was it was maybe about four five thousand words too long. Okay. So um, so I went through it, taking all the bits out of it that made me look like a knobhead, and <laughs> and then submitted then submitted that draft, and they seemed happy enough with it. So that then became the typescript. So after a tour that we'd done um, uh, in two, well, it would be 2008, 2009 or something, maybe 2010, we just finished in Germany. We had a gig at, um, in London that we did. And what I did in my hotel room in London was to wrap all these typescripts up in brown paper and wrap up and tie them up with string. And it didn't occur to me that that's the song from Sound of Music. Um, um, these are a few of my favourite things. Um, I just didn't, I didn't get it. Um, um, I don't know if it was subconscious or, or, or just irrelevant, actually, as well. Anyway, so, so I went round each member of the band individually afterwards and I handed them a copy of the typescript. Um, if I could find them by themselves, because I didn't want to hand the typescript to Shane McGowan in front of anybody else, because it would have just sort of got all messy. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he took, Shane took hold of the typescript and sort of weighed it in his hands, and he said, uh, it's not very big, is it? Um, <laughs> so, so I said, well, it's typed on two sides of the, of the paper, that's why it's, it would have been twice the weight if, um, if I'd just done it on one side. Um, and then, and but then I had to. I I, I couldn't get um, um, Spider, the whistle player, alone at backstage at this gig that we we did. So I, I'd arranged to meet with him and his wife to to go have dinner um, in London before I came back to Los Angeles. And I didn't hear from them all day. And I kept texting them saying, "I'm coming up to your house." I presume we're still going out to dinner, but I'm on the bus. Um, and then I found myself outside their back door of their flat in Finsbury Park. And I was then I thought, just well, nobody answered the door. So I I'd started to write a note and was going to leave it on their doorstep and then, then just bugger off. Um, when the door opened and Spider's wife opened the, uh, opened the door as I was walking back down their pathway and she said, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> and so we had to because that Shane and his girlfriend and Spider and his wife were had been on the phone all day about the stuff that I'd written. Oh, and another thing. Oh, and there's this. Oh, did you read the bit where and all that sort of stuff? Um, so it was a, so it was a bit. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit difficult. Yeah. Um, but. You just like have to sit there and say, "Yeah, all right, I wrote a fucking book, and 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 I've I've not, I wasn't nasty about anybody. If anybody, if I was nasty about anybody, it's probably me. Yeah, I would say. So tell me about what's your experience with um, well, with, nobody, um, 
nobody's read mine yet, and uh, oh, all right, you didn't you didn't give them copies in advance? No, uh, I decided not to. Uh, the thing Whoa, I got back, <laughs> the thing I got back from the publisher said you could be sued by ten people, some of them more than once. So I think there were 30, 30 potential lawsuits. Uh, Bloody hell! Right. Two of two of them from my wife. So. Oh, that, but then well, I was going to say, well, you can discount those, but you can't. I don't know. Depends <laughs> what kind of relationship you have with your wife. <laughs> so, so I've taken. I've taken. I think most of that stuff has been fixed. Some of it we couldn't be sure about. So I know that I can't be sued by most people in the band. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. But but there's a lot. Mine is. Um, it's based a lot yeah. on the the whole kind of community that we were part of. Uh, when we yeah. formed the band, so there's a lot more people in it as main characters mm. who aren't actually part of the band. So I'm, I'm quite sure. worried about how they'll feel about being in, kind of in the public eye when they haven't chosen to be. So, uh, you really didn't change know. names. No, no, I kept all the, the real names. That's uh, that's extra bold. That's extra bold as well. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever get beaten up as a kid? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I've certainly fought a lot as a kid, but I haven't fought yeah. all that much as an adult, so I don't know what kind of shape I'm in. I'm in. You know, I'm sure there are gyms in Ayrshire somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'd yeah, start so, training. Yeah. You never really know because it, there's some people you'll say something about that you think could be... Uh, yeah. They'd be unhappy about, it and they're quite pleased just to be in print. And then other people, where you think that's just a quite a, an affectionate thing or something, and they'll just be really angry about it. So yeah. I've got all that to come. Let me ask you a question: um, of the of the of your community that the band came out of or or, or emerged within. Yeah. Are are you still? You live in the same country as them. Yeah. In well, the same neighbourhood. I got out. <laughs> a lot of them were Irish. I shared a flat with a lot of Irish people in Glasgow and a lot of them have yeah. since moved back to Ireland. So I might okay. be okay. Yeah. Might be okay on that front. But yeah, a lot of them <laughs> are still yeah. in the same country. I, I yeah, I understand that um that uh, the the def the def the defamation Laws in Ireland are a lot more relaxed than they are in um, not relaxed, uh, rigid than they are in um, in in England uh, uh, right. and and in England even more rigid than than in the United States. Um, yeah. Well, I was just wondering to what extent that you still knew those people or kept in touch with them, whether they were the ones who went back to Ireland or the ones that stayed in 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 you know in and around Clydebank and or, or or even the band members that you wrote about how many of all them lot are you still in touch with yeah i suppose um probably the majority of them i'm still in touch with all the band i'm still in touch with we usually go to the christmas dinner that bell and sebastian have uh, but there the are some... Sebastian Christmas dinner sounds adorable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or is it messy? <laughs> well, I always want to try and start a rumour that I got drunk at it and beat up the bass player who took over from me after I left. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but it, it hasn't well, I mean, really the, happened. The, the, okay. Uh, you mean like the, the circumstances of a Bell and Sebastian Christmas dinner would 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 be tolerate a rumor um, <laughs> that you beat up the, the 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 bass player out there, and then they say, "Well, I remember something funny going on." Was that what it was? Yeah, uh, I'd like to go to one of those. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're, so they're the, quite. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So the people, there were people. Me and Stuart were in a couple of bands before Bell and Sebastian. Yeah. And some of the people that we were in those bands with, I'm not in touch with at all now. And there's things about them in the book that I don't know how it will be for them. I was yeah. trying, 
hoping just to give them their kind of their dues for the part they played in the formation of the band, but you can never really be yeah. sure if people want that publicity or not. So is it is it a, a, a matter of whether or not they you think that they can tolerate the publicity, or were there sections or sentences or, or bits where you thought, oh, bollocks, I'm just going to say this anyway? There were in my draft, but working with the editor, I had so many edits, copy edit, legal edit, uh, yeah, and final edit, that I had a lot of guidance from people reword this bit because it could be uh, offensive even if it's not libelous or whatever. So I did mostly take that advice because in, in an yeah. attempt not to offend anybody. That sort of begs the question, however, when it come when it came to writing it, regardless of what the finished product is, then then I suppose I don't know, it sort of begs a really big question, which is why write the book? What did you want people to know? Yeah. So 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 if, so then then obviously you must have had a thing in your well, I don't know, maybe you didn't. Why write the book? Yeah, that was quite an easy and why, question. And why, and yeah, go on. Because uh, when, we, when we started Bell and Sebastian, there was a policy for the first two years that we didn't do any press interviews oh, after, we, after we wow. were well-known. So the whole story of how the band formed was never actually told. That's usually what you would have got asked in those interviews. So yeah. I just kind of felt there was an interesting untold story there. Coupled with the thing Hence that... the title of your book as well. Yeah, there's just a myth about Bell and Sebastian forming in an all-night cafe in, yeah. in a single day. And sort of, a, I don't really like rock and roll mythology uh, uh, for the kind of band mm. Bell and Sebastian are. I don't think it, there should be a myth uh, like that around them. Uh, so... Yeah. I, I really wanted to tell the story of how the band really came about and it was a much longer, more accidental process than, than in the myth. I can imagine that 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 you might have um you might have thought, oh well I've I've laid the groundwork for an autobiography um in retrospect by not doing interview. But uh, but I don't I think regardless whether you do and in, whether you did interviews or you didn't do interviews, that mythologies build up around your damn anybody's damn band, like yeah. you know, uh, with us, you know, like, I, I can only talk about us uh, really, or, or the extent to which I already know that myths about I don't know, like any band I choose to throw a stick at, like um, like um, Rolling Stones or Queen or or, or Slade or or anybody. You know, because of the information that you've got. Oh, yes. There's a myth right there, just the way that you present yourselves. Um, and this became an issue with us right at the um, at the very start, to do with the drink. Yeah. Because because the myths come from the prejudices that people have. I, I'm not going to get onto a soapbox here, <laughs> but these things can get really charged sometimes. The the you know the, the the assumption was that we were all Irish from my accent you can tell that yeah. I'm not. Um, the uh, there's a, there's a, an assumption that because you're Irish that you're either stupid or you just drink all the time or both. Yeah. Um, uh, or that you you work in in uh, or that you that you worked in, in building sites and and or dug canals and you know so people sort of wrap all this these the the, the assumption the assumptions that you make about the Irish let's say in this particular case and then if then then Shane but yeah there was a lot of drinking that went on like a huge amount of drinking yeah um, but we didn't drink because anybody was was Irish. We just drank because yeah. we were in a rock and roll band. Like, you know, throw a stick at a rock and roll band and the chances are you're going to hit somebody who's at least had a perno. 
<laughs> Would you say that's the main reason you set you wanted to do the book was to address those myths? No, no, not no. at all. No, I didn't. Um, um, it's funny because I, I never even thought about that. I don't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to address um, any myths. I wanted. Um, you know, the reason why I wrote the book is because I always said that I would. Yeah. Um, and I believed people when they said, oh, if anybody was going to write the book about the Pogues, it should be you. Because I was scribbling away all the time. Um, yeah. just, I, I never stopped. And I think it must, have, um, it must have bugged the bejesus out of the rest of the band to come down to breakfast in a hotel. We had hotels, by the way. We had lots of them, <laughs> and they were very nice. <laughs> we had a role manager and, a, and an agent who actually made sure there were um, hotel rooms for us there. I don't think we ever didn't stay in a hotel. Right. By choice, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. I don't mean to show off or um, <laughs> or, or, or anything, um, but um, and I forget where I was even. Um, yeah, so to come back to breakfast and and there's oh there's James with his with his bloody diary and he's scribbling away in tiny tiny little handwriting so that <laughs> nobody could read it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just, and and then I suppose the second major reason why why I wrote it was just I, I, I've you know it's, it sounds like I'm trying to be funny or something but I actually like the sound of my own voice <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I mean I was, I was fairly quiet um, to all intents and purposes as the sort of the quiet one in 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 the pogs because uh, in, as far as interviews were concerned, I didn't know how to do them and I didn't know how to be funny and I didn't know how to wrap things up nicely and I didn't know how to give sound bites or anything. Not that those were particularly um, demanded or anything. It's just I thought that they were because what I'd read in magazines looked like oh wow yeah you need to have things to say to these people. Yeah, I didn't realise until after the book came out that you could just run at the mouth and it's fine. <laughs> so, so essentially, did you work on the book really for what would that be like twenty five years between starts? <laughs> yeah, would you start, I start the first. Yeah. When would you start the first diary? Would that be mid eighties, something like that? Um, it was it's, it was funny because the, I started properly writing diary the year before the Pogues started, so that would be right. um, 19, 1981. I think it was in October nineteen eighty one. I started. Yeah. I started doing that, uh, but most of it was to do with a girlfriend that I had um, at the time, who the the relationship with whom overlapped into the Pogues by about maybe um, um, four years. So a lot, of, a lot of the material in the diaries, and that was difficult to read when I went through them all again, because I went through them all to see what yeah. there was. And most of it is just sort of hand-wringing agony and, and, <laughs> and trying to figure myself out in a relationship and you know you know I you know how diary, you know diaries are presumably. Yeah. Um they're, they're not easy to read it um no. again. And then every now and again it's sort of oh another rehearsal with the Pogues. And then that's <laughs> all it all it was. But it wasn't until the Pogues sort of you know started kicking off that um that um that the whole uh, yeah I don't know I think the whole romance of it for me Getting into a minivan and travelling the length and breadth of the country, and then going to Ireland for the first time was big. So I wanted to write all about that—the gorse bushes and the swans and the reeds and and um, and the drink and the peat and the you know all that sort of stuff. I got a big yeah. big thrill out of doing that. And then um, and then the mad way that we used to tour back. Then, by way of you know a bus to Harwich and then a, a ferry to Hamburg and then a, then another 
minivan from Hamburg to Lübeck and then Lübeck to Helsinki across the Baltic Sea and then, you know, and then then over the, the glaciers into Berg and, and, and Oslo, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, I, it, it was hard to, hard to do and there were some mad things that, that happened, but just the sea travel... And the bus travel and the mountains and 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 things. It's I think it's so different now, and I sound like an old man of the sea or something <laughs> like that. I was thinking about the comparison just today of how an older generation, a lot of them, would write memoirs about their experiences during the war, and with yeah. us, it's writing experiences about having travelled in bands. Uh, and the, I think there is an equivalent there of it was the way you saw the world for people of our age, whereas for an older generation, the way you saw the world was uh, travelling as part of the the navy or part of the army, something like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, but with with the with the ex, with the with the the most notable um, missing ingredient being that that that. Um, the people tend not to want to shoot at you and kill you. So that is, that um, is the advantage. Except, <laughs> well, yeah, no, indeed. But except we we have. <laughs> I remember leaving a gig in Detroit once, where I don't know what they wanted or what they didn't want, but they were sort of pelted a van with bottles. Um, um, they didn't they didn't smash any windows, as I, as I remember. But it was really scary for a minute. I I don't know what point they were trying to make. Um, so we have had things thrown at us from time to time. How frantic were uh, Bell and Sebastian's um, um, adherents? <laughs> Definitely, I can. I was very different from a Pogues audience. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Yeah, it's more the intensity that frightened me sometimes. Mm. Uh, a kind of obsessional intensity of people jumping up on stage and just grabbing yeah. you. And not letting go, but uh, on the whole, yeah. a very, very well behaved, quiet, sober yeah, I'd crowd. Imagine, I'd imagine they would be, yeah. Yeah. So, so you'd get like the odd stage invasion, or would that be like an individual stage invasion? It's like one person would get up and grab hold of you. Yeah, you, and in those days it was just one. I think Bell and Sebastian kind of encourage a sort of mass stage invasion during the show now, yeah. but in those days it would just be one mad stalker yeah. who would try and wrestle you to the floor or something like that or chase you down the street <laughs> <laughs> because they loved you so much yeah when i was chased in yeah. uh, london london and ontario in canada mm. by somebody yeah. for almost a mile who wanted to give me a pen just take this pen <laughs> And no, you wanted no. you didn't want you didn't want the pen so badly that you were prepared to run for a mile away from it. <laughs> yeah. Well, how big was the pen? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about going to your college um, uh, and and being on on um, social security, yeah, um, which is which is where the pogs came from as well. And I think if you went to like loads of people, yeah, um, in England, you know, they were they were um, 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 what's the word um, maintained by the state for a long time, even though it was a, a struggle a lot yeah. of the time. There's a big discussion here now. I don't know if it's happening. Mm. I don't know if it'd be happening over there, but just about how much mm. it, it's only kind of privately educated people that are forming bands now because they're the only people who can afford to do the sort of long unpaid apprenticeship and just the vilification yeah, yeah. of of people who sign on in in Britain now is is really bad. I think it's just. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, now it's not. It's, they've become the scapegoats. So that that's that's like palpable. It's very palpable just now. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of coming to mm. a head. I think in the media and stuff, just a real vilification of the unemployed. Uh, we have a lot of sort of reality programs, mm. just just where they're treated as entertainment to laugh at people who are unemployed, and I think it's a real yeah loss for the culture because, like you say, that's where most of the good music from the 80s and the 90s came from. It was people who had been sustained by income support yeah. and social security yeah. and stuff like that. We all thought that, you know, the Thatcher years, were, you couldn't get any worse than that. Yeah, I'd, saying it's worse. I'd say it's worse than the Thatcher years for uh, benefits and for just yeah. kids trying to get a start uh, I don't think the unemployment yeah. numbers are quite as high. Maybe two and a half million. I think it was was it three million and over in the Thatcher years. But I think yeah, it's yeah. it's just because you can't <coughs> sign on now, so you, the you don't have the numbers no, so anymore. Right. Yeah. So the kids are all they're all just doing training courses and stuff to keep the numbers down. So you can't really tell what the real number is, but. I, Definitely say it's comparable to the Thatcher years again. For the young anyway, right. it's probably not yeah. as bad as it was for the... Yeah. Uh, when a lot of the industry closed down in the Thatcher years for middle-aged uh, workers losing their jobs, but the young of, uh, the young and the disabled and the... and the probably the... any kind of mental illness has been hit really hard by, by yeah. the reforms on it. What's the point in being a musician now anymore? If you know, unless you, unless your parents can put you through private school and and yeah. pay for everything, um, because no one else is going to bloody pay you for making music nowadays. No, um, it changed so suddenly, uh, and we were right at the end of it. I think the year we put out our first yeah. album was the year Casa came out. Uh, or no, it was yeah. Naps, Napster, I think, just the year of Napster. Right. Yeah. We thought we were a much smaller band than we were because we were judging it on record sales, and then you'd go and do yeah. a show and there'd be hundreds of people Masses there. Masses of people there, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah one, one sort of wondered for a, for a time, um, where, you know, like, because with, with the reunion thing, um, um, it's you know it's been really money wise it's been really useful because like people want to see it seems like there was some sort of uh, like there's some balance was trying to be redressed yeah or something if we're gonna if we're gonna steal all your music <laughs> here we could say sorry by turning up in droves to your gigs yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't i don't know if it, it i don't think it works like that but that's just the way that it seemed yeah we're sorry well, here we are. Here we are with our tickets. We'll come and see you live. Yeah, um, I did have. I had emails from people telling me that I've stolen your album, but don't worry, I'll I'll pay for it. <laughs> no, don't worry, I'll buy a t-shirt or a mug. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that yeah, um, yeah. Some yeah, there's a friend of mine is a, who's a, a record producer here in uh, Los Angeles, and um, somebody said to him. The other day, you know, you're a mug. You're in this. If you if you've got a family, if you've got a family, you want to look after your family, and you want to repair the roof on your house, or you want to repair your car, or or, or you know, university for your for your kids. Um, get out of the business that you're in, because yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do that the way that uh, it, with with what you're doing now. It's 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 just foolish. Yeah, get out and make some money somewhere where there's money to be money to be made. So like, all right. So if all the musicians, record producers, people, are, you know, like like us, if we all chose to do that, like, well, then what do you listen to? <laughs> yeah, it does seem that like, you have to. It's like a weird sort of, 
you know, um, I can see Charlton Heston in the film version of, of 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 this. You know, wandering the streets of some sort of post-apocalyptic 1970s sort of town, crying out, "Where's the music?" <laughs> yeah. Or something. Yeah, it seems that it'll, go, it'll just have to go back to like poetry in the 18th, 19th century when it was Byron or whatever, and you just you had to be an aristocrat to to write poetry. Yeah, yeah I was going back further than that. Actually, I thought you would have to go back to the days where you just beat a couple of rocks together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so all right then. So why did you wait? Well, I, I think, in a way, when I read that question, I thought, well, in a way, I didn't wait because I wrote those two books when I was in the band. So I don't really think of course. was was why it's now that I've written the book. Uh, yeah. I, I wasn't well for a period with a kind of chronic fatigue thing for a few years and I couldn't go out much and yeah. I, needed, I needed something to do and uh, I think that was sort of the starting point for why why right. I wrote yeah. it at that particular time um, on, your, but on your little tray table in your yeah. room yeah <laughs> but I think you just get to a certain age as well where your youth seems quite bright but you're forgetting it and you want to write because I didn't have diaries or anything you want to write it down before you forget it uh, and I think yeah. because I'd written novels I sort of thought of this just as a memoir of my youth but something mm. quite unusual happened in my youth for compared right. to most, most writers wouldn't usually have that experience so I think it was just much more to do with getting to a certain age rather than to do with having left the band uh, and not being All right. yeah. not being part of that anymore. I dreamt I had to go to Mars. I'm always kidding on about going to Mars through the day, but faced with the reality of it in a dream, I was terrified. And it wasn't going to be like a moon trip. There was three of us going, but we couldn't all go on the same ship. We had to go one at a time, or a day between us. I had to go first, and it was the thought of passing through all that black space, all the darkness with nothing in it, and then being the first one to land there all alone. I knew it was supposed to. Did you do the book tour thing ever? I, I have done it in the past with novels, but we always tried to do it with the band yeah. as a sort of media presentation rather than reading in public. Because uh, I do quite a so few... So what does that mean? I don't, I don't get that. What, what do you mean? Well, I do quite a few spoken word songs with the band that aren't of actually course, no, sung. Of course, I've heard them, yeah. 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 So, so I, I tried to incorporate the, the book into that kind of format rather than just reading it. But with this And why did you book, do that? It kind of reminded, if I had to stand up and read it, it kind of reminded me of having to stand up and read in the class when, in school, right. when yeah. <laughs> when people yeah. would throw things at you. And, uh, right. It just, I've got a few events yeah. coming up for this book and they're the first ones I've, I'll have done without the band. Um, oh, so damn. I yeah, that's... Um... Did you do it's, a tour? Yeah, I did. Uh, well, um, when when the um, when the English edition came out in two thousand and whenever that was, twelve. Yeah, I think it was two thousand twelve. Um, I went off to go and do the Lion Weekend. It was the first, I think, basically the first thing that I did. Um, and then uh, I, I read in a prison uh, in Wales. Which was uh, amazing um, to have like people, you know, come out to hear somebody come and read, and they've not come basically to come and hear you read. They've come to get out of that fucking cell, is what they've yeah. uh, what they've done, and they're not interested in you at all. It's just like thank God to be out of that room, yeah. Um, which was which was interesting because it's like fine, I, I 
I, if I'm providing you the wherewithal to get out yourself for for an hour, then then I've then I've done my job. I could have just read gobbledygook to these guys, and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Um, and then to um, then to a, a literary festival and stuff. Um, the bookstore things didn't work out quite so well, except up in. Um, Leeds, I think. Um, but then this time around in in the states, um, I did. I went from um, started out in Los Angeles, then I went to to New York and did a couple there, um, and then I went to England for a family wedding. This is uh, this time. This was last year. Then back to to do Boston and Chicago, and then back to. Los Angeles and, and up the West Coast, Portland and um, San Francisco and Berkeley and, and places like that. And I had I, I had a I had a fantastic time doing that because they were yeah. like proper bookstores. Um, um, and was when you said about how it reminded you of um, your experience reading stuff out at, in the front of class yeah. um, and having things thrown at you that you <laughs> wanted to use music as a kind of you know shield yeah <laughs> maybe or at least they had some other targets to throw things at or without <laughs> it just being you um, but um, I, with me I, my experience of, 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 of that was because my dad um, enjoyed dominating a room uh. <laughs> no he did whether it's the dining room or the you know the the rot the rotary club luncheons <laughs> or whatever um he used he, he I, I mean he got himself into into a terrible you know um um nervous state um uh, about it but uh, it, it's something that he was just driven I, I think he was fairly sort of driven to, to 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 do it yeah and to stand up in front of a load of people and talk off your, the top of your head about something for a bit and then read out of a book that has in large part come off the top of your head as well um um i i i found um, a great sort of um, connection with my dad, to be frank, actually. Yes, you had a kind of role model for it. Uh, I think that's my difficulty. Yeah. I, I can't think of anybody to to base it on. I haven't really seen any huh. readings that I've thought, that's really good, I should do it like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but having a role model like that must must help, I think. Yeah, it it it, it, it did, and and the, the occasions for for thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm contributing the way that my dad always wanted me to contribute. Yeah, I mean, which I have in any case, you know, like, and I can't say that the Pogues wasn't a contribution to something. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, but this is like my own individual contribution to 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 something. I mean, it sounds it sounds you know, on one hand, it sounds really. Stupid and uh, um, you know, like the my god, am I really thinking that? But I actually <laughs> did think it. I thought, oh, great, yeah. you know, like here I am, I'm reading out a book, people are listening, and 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 I've I've finished something, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sort of. Um, so, um, um, when it comes to your um book tour well where are you going to do it because if the book's coming out in the states you're coming to the states there's no plans at the moment to do that because i'm still not all that well uh, yeah energy well, i'm sorry so yeah. i haven't i haven't really been out of the country for maybe must yeah. be 15 years or something like that uh, balls yeah but really haven't been traveling much away from home for the last five years or something just with this fatigue yeah. thing but yeah oh, I'd God. like to sounds like a yeah but yeah I always had a really good audience in, in America and I think I would do it maybe with an acoustic yeah. guitar and just turn it into structure it a bit as a spoken word song maybe some passages rather than 
than just reading straight yeah. from the book. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's what I ended up doing with because um, um, I met some musician um, guys in New York. Um, so I asked them, "Do you fancy just doing a song at the beginning and a song at the end?" Yeah. So I did a song at the beginning, and then I read all my stuff, and then 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 the, the band had joined me to do um, you know so it's like a like an acoustic obviously with um, uh, another accordion player because I, I found it difficult to sing and play the accordion at the same time. Right. Um, as, as you can imagine, it's a very complicated yeah. instrument to to master. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so joking because I don't play all of it. I, I don't play the left hand bit at all. I've just oh, right. I've got away with it. I've just played <laughs> half of an instrument for for, for, thir for thirty years. It's like it's amazing. It's amazing how you can bamboozle people. Yeah. Um, but that sounds that sounds interesting uh, to do the, the the guitar thing and and intersperse. I I I I'd go for that. Yeah, we did a thing once when I had a novel at one point and we went out and did the mm. readings as if we were the characters from the book. Uh, oh, and people, yeah. And we started this kind of fiction that I had stolen the book from this character uh, and just written yeah. down his story and not given him a credit. Uh, yeah. And we pulled it off and people at who had come to the event sent me emails yeah. telling me I was a lazy bastard for not turning up and that they'd come all the way from <laughs> from out of town to see me and I hadn't been there. <laughs> With your book tour and yeah. stuff. But you don't know if you're going to you don't know if you if you can even commit to one. No, I've not I've not been able to commit to anything except individual events just in Glasgow and Edinburgh at the moment. That's kinda of as far as I can yeah. travel. Uh, right, getting better all the time. So I'm hoping, hoping to be able to do more. Yeah. By the, by the time the book is coming out. I mean, out, outside the the outside the, the the boundaries of um, of a podcast, I'd ask you what's the matter with you, but um, um, you don't have to answer that question at all. So yeah, well, so don't. <laughs> In a lot of ways, I don't know. It's one of these undiagnosed modern illnesses that they either call chronic fatigue or um, yeah. ME or something like that, just where you feel like you've got the flu essentially all the time. Um, That's right, yeah. Um, well, yeah, well, that's that, what else can you be but a writer, I suppose? Yeah, it is. Uh, you're kind of forced into it, really. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, yeah. I'm just trying to think who it is like. Like, um, I was going to say Franz Kafka, but he seemed to be fine. Um, <laughs> well, he wasn't. He wasn't at all. Um, who am I thinking of? Like some, some, you know, the, the sickly ones. Um, yeah. Jean-Paul Sartre, apparently. Yeah, certainly Chris, is it Christy Brown, the Irish poet for the, from my life. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, and, just yeah. left. It's not all bad, really. I mean, it. In some ways, it's good to have limitations on what you can do, because then you're not spoiled for choice, really, and you just settle down. Oh, and, that's and get so bloody! If, if if an American heard you say that, <laughs> yeah, this, you're that's so all... from a country where yeah. association football works. <laughs> because it's it's, it's deferred. Uh, what do they call it? Deferred gratification. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. And it's, it just comes from the culture. Like, like I know, I know what the, the culture that it that it comes from. That's why they don't get it in in the states. They don't understand no, you, association football. You hear people complaining here all the time about too much choice, too much choice in the supermarkets, too many shampoos. Yeah. <laughs> It's becoming a it's big thing. It's fucking true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I understand the, the too much choice thing because I've been living with that in that culture for... Oh, <laughs> um, shit, how long? 90. For 22 years. I've, I've been yeah. here for 22 years. Yeah, right. you can tell by the accent, I know. <laughs> 
I've made sure to I've made so made sure to stick to that. And when it came to um, uh, when it came to uh, proofreading and doing all the copy editing and stuff for the book, um, I worked with one of the guys at, at Faber and Faber, and of course I wanted to expunge anything that had that would even sort of have a little sort of smell of America about about the language. Uh, punctuation, spelling, the whole, the whole lot, to the point that I did the universal search for words like um, synchronize, because <laughs> I'd, I'd been spelling it with a Z, yeah, and I just changed all of those to ISE, and then I had to go through it to make sure I hadn't missed anything, like if it recognised a word that that you know. Justine, I was so careful. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. And the distinction it's... between the word toward and towards. The uh, toward is apparently an American, uh, um, um, whatever they call it, and the word towards you would use in England. So uh -huh. I went through and got rid of all the. Uh, I put an S on the on the word toward all the way through. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had the opposite. I think because I've quite influenced by a lot of American writers. I had the experience of the English editors yeah. taking out my Americanisms uh, and oh. telling me that's not the way we do it here. Oh, that's so interesting. Can you give me an yeah. example? I, I think the Z thing is a, was probably the most common thing. Just any words uh, like realise or uh, yeah. things like that, I would always just think it should be it was a Z and not realise that's not the way you spell it here. Uh, wow. It, was that, it, that, that sounds like something that, well, I, it feels like that would, that would be something that you would have, that you would have known. Yeah, it's just completely have no consciousness of it actually living here. I think American culture has become so prevalent here. Yeah. Whereas you'll maybe have a more of a remove from it as an observer, it's here. It's yeah. It's just kind of seeped in to where I don't realise so these are Americanisms. That's so interesting because, like, here I am, living here for twenty-two years. I yeah. have done everything I possibly can to keep my accent. Um, obviously, some vocabulary vocabulary is going to come in and sort of you know lay that to waste to some degree. Um, um, and then to spend all that effort making sure that, that in the copy editing of the, of the book that I get rid <laughs> yeah. of anything that's going to... Um, and then, yeah, I, 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 that's, that's really, really fascinating that you should, yeah. you should say that it's seeped in and, and you can't tell where me living here where it's seeping out from yeah i've made it my job to 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 be able to tell yeah and i would say even your accent a lot of young people here teenagers you notice them yeah. going through a stage now where they have an american accent and they don't realize it's an american accent um so you probably uh, yeah you've probably got less of an american accent than a lot of people living in england now even though you've been over there for so long. That's such a giveaway. You're from America. <laughs> yeah. You're from America. I can tell because your English accent is has got is 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 like dint proof. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, thanks a lot. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to another country entirely now, and I'm going to see what happens there. Um, like like. I don't know. <laughs> Russia. Let's see what that's like. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, well, yes. We should probably wind that up now. Should we have covered all these yeah. questions? We've covered all those things. And then, yeah. then the last American accent that I heard this afternoon said, said, oh, we'll let you go for three quarters of an hour. Does yeah. that mean... <laughs> They have to wait until they've got three quarters of an hour of material oh, that they can stuff. use. I've got a good it. 20 minutes of material, guys. <laughs> Maybe 22. I should say you've got... 
I'm, I'm, I'm 22. Fine. Um, well, you, you're going to have to you're going to have to fill it in with um, with with bits because because Stuart's got to go to his bed. <laughs> Stuart, lovely, lovely, lovely talking to you, and, um, yeah, and maybe we'll get a chance James. to meet at some point, and and yeah. um, and all the best with your with your strange twenty um, first um, century disease. Um, <laughs> and I hope I hope I hope you come out of it. Yeah, thanks very much, and I've always been a huge Pogues fan, so it was great great to talk to you. Well, Jimmy Glide, I'm on again, the pub where I was born. He played it from the night time to the pace of early morn. He sold the souls of cycles and the men who had the horn. And they all left very happy in the morning. That's it for this episode of the Talkhouse Music Podcast. I'm Michael Azarad, Editor-in-Chief of the Talkhouse. Thanks to our producer-engineer, Elia Einhorn. For more TalkHouse Music podcasts and for lots of great writing about music by some excellent musicians, by all means visit thetalkhouse.com slash music. <laughs>